Well, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you love us, and we thank you that you are here. We thank you, Father, that you help us and you care about us. And Father, for the needs that we have, for those represented in this congregation, whether those watching online, the different family members we have, we just ask that your presence would be so real, people would respond in obedience to you and confess our sins and repent and follow you. So Jesus, we say thank you that you are holy. We say thank you that we can have heaven as our destination and you love us so much. So Jesus, we say thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. And we do say thank you once more for your continued generosity and giving through tithes and offerings, your giving online, giving here in person. A special offering continues today for the carriers. Todd Carrier, he needs to have a heart valve replaced. And then when they were looking at that, they realized that he also needed a stint or two put in. But before they could do that, he had a tooth that needed to be removed and to have it healed for two weeks before he can go back in. So there's nothing like, well, my heart's failing, but you have to wait two weeks because, you know, you have to get your tooth fixed. So that's the position they're in. But Todd Carrier is self-employed. And they've been a longtime uh, congregants of this local church. And so we're taking up a love offering. If you want to uh, designate that on the bottom of a check or see Missy and indicate that with cash or whatever, we just ask that you do that. And uh, we just want to bless that family in this way. So thank you for helping us uh, do that in a special way. Uh, as I was thinking about this sermon, I've been thinking about it all week, and I've actually shared bits and pieces about it uh, already this week. So if you are at Life Group Wednesday, you kind of know the direction at the uh, residence that I give a Bible study every other Wednesday to. Uh, I shared this with them, and I'm kind of excited to share it, and I was so excited that I kind of shared it before today. And so hopefully I remember what I shared before I didn't share today, so you get to hear the whole message because we have like over 35 minutes. Like I have never preached 35 minutes, I don't think. So we'll see what we get to. It should be a good Sunday. Um, as many of you know, I work at Top Notch a few days a week, and we had a special guest. Uh, one of my friends came uh, to Life Group on Wednesday. His name's Ovi, Ovidio, and he's from the Dominican Republic. And he just really took it in. He didn't share too much. But after, sorry, you Zoomers, like after we said bye, good night, and my mom said I love you to everybody. Not that I don't love you, but she says it, so I don't have to. And so everybody clicked off from Zoom. He said, can I share? And uh, we said, sure. And so Ovi shared how much he loves to serve. And so he works in the restaurant, so he serves people. And he said he worked on a cruise ship and he got promoted from uh, like a waiter to the head waiter to different position to a different position. And he said the more position or title, he was making more money, but he missed serving and he found comfort in finding out what he enjoyed doing and the fact that he could do it. And if I misrepresented that, then you guys can raise your hand and say, Jeff kind of elaborated, you know how pastors do, but I think you can talk to them. That was the context that he really loves to serve. And so he found contentment in that. And so he's been an encouragement to me. There's been another housekeeper that... Um, uh, has come, and uh, I've gotten to know her and the friends that she came with, and 
uh, one day we just had to drive them to the bank to do some business. So she went into the bank and one of her friends was still in the vehicle with me. And she said, Jeff, it's so nice that you tease this uh, worker because she's going through a hard time. And I tease everybody. And the reason why I tease this person, if you're watching, uh, is because we're asking, what do you miss from home? And she said, well, I miss oxtail soup. I was like, whoa. So of all the things from the South where the climate is much warmer, of all the things you miss being here in Vermont is oxtail soup. Like who likes oxtail soup? And oxtail soup is cow tail soup. And she's like, oh, it's crunchy and it's tasty. And it's so good. It's like, oh, you can stop talking. Go into the bank and do whatever you have to do in the bank. Stop talking to me about oxtail soup. So we just had that conversation. So she's in the bank and her friend's here. It's like, Jeff, thank you for making my friend laugh because she's going through a hard time. They just found out that her brother was murdered. And we thought, wow. And then there's another individual that went to uh, watch the basketball game with us last night. And he was just so much fun. He speaks very, very little English. And he tries. I don't even try to speak Spanish, but he tries. And I gave him the hardest time. And it was just so much fun just getting to know him. But he was just sharing how he likes being a part of, of family like going to a basketball game, things that he would do on his own because he works and then he goes to the house and he has no vehicle and just trying to be available for each other. And I think that will lead into this, not a great praise on me, but God gives us situations and opportunities where there are people that are hurting and broken. There's, there are people that just want to serve next to you. There are people that just want to celebrate with you. If we would just make time to listen to them, even though we might not understand and it might not be a different language, it might be a different background. I've been reminded more and more, speaking with different pastors of those within our congregation, even ours, but many pastors are saying, Jeff, there are several within our congregation that have gay and lesbian uh, relatives, that have individuals in their own family that are trying to figure out their identity, that uh, want to know that Jesus loves them, but have this issue, this concern, how can we reach them with the love of God? And I just thought we need to reach them with the love of God, because who without us? is without sin and temptation and to know that God cares about everything that we're going through. Well, this takes us back to last week as Philip was being used of God. Simon, the sorcerer, that was his past, saw that the spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people. He offered them money to buy them power. And you can't buy the power of Jesus. It only comes to you after the Holy Spirit is given and you'll be witnesses, Jesus speaking, telling people about him everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Simon the sorcerer couldn't buy this gift of God. He did not have the education. He did not have the background. It's not something we can purchase or we can just say, hey, you do it for me. Although I'm getting ahead of myself. So we looked at uh, the Good Samaritan in Luke because Luke wrote Acts. Luke was a first book. Acts was a second book. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by these bandits? Jesus asked this guy, this religious leader. And he said, well, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So Simon the sorcerer says, like, I want to buy this power that Jesus can give or has given you. And Luke's like, or Philip says, you can't buy it. And Luke said, no, you can't buy it. I already told the story in my first book. If you would have read that or paid attention or listened to the person that was sharing that story, that it has to be loving people because a good Samaritan loved this Jewish man, this Jewish man that hated him. The Samaritan loved him and showed him great mercy. 
Well, in Acts, going back to that story with Philip talking to Simon, and if you read the Bible, it's good to take notes or highlight because it can get a little confusing, a little wordy. Uh, this is really random. But in high school, do you remember diagramming sentences? Did anybody have to diagram? I love that. I thought it was the best thing ever. But then I was like, that's useless. I'm never going to use it in life. But now I kind of use it with Bible stories. So uh, Simon the Sorcerer gets told by Philip, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can say, see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Simon wanted what the apostles had, but he was not willing to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, come into my life, make me new, help me to grow in that maturity and have that discipline to follow after you. He said, no, just let me buy it. He said, Philip said, I can see that you're full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. You can't move because you're held by that sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon said, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. Pray to the Lord for me. At times, often, we say it is good to pray for someone. It's even better to pray with someone, but intercession does not equal, is not the same as confession or repentance. Only you as an individual can confess your sin and repent, turn from it, and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin so you can become a Christian. You cannot intercede where somebody receives salvation. You can intercede, which means standing in the gap, or Max Lucado says kneeling in the gap, our face at God's feet. We kneel in the gap for the sake of someone else, but for the sake that the Holy Spirit's power is so strong on them that they make that choice for themselves, not we make the choice for someone. As much as you want it for someone else, it should force us to fast and pray and intercede for them, but that decision is all their own. So Simon says, well, you do it for me. Like, I'll pay you. You said you won't take my money. Well, at least pray. Do that for me because I don't know if I want to do that yet. Intercession is not the same as confession and repentance. This is what Matthew says. He was uh, one of the apostles. He went with Luke. They both followed Jesus. He was also educated like Luke, Dr. Luke. Matthew says, if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. This is a hard teaching. This is like a difficult saying. This is like, um, well, the rich young ruler if you read that story of the Bible, you could just write, write it down, look it up later. The rich young ruler, what happened with him? Well, he came to Jesus and said, what, what do I need to do? What should I do to get your salvation? What do I need to do? And it says that Jesus told him and he said, no, that's a hard saying. What's interesting is after Jesus told him what to do and the rich young ruler said it's a hard saying, Jesus left without waiting for the man's repentance. So it's, well, I'm talking to Simon, and Simon's really interested. And I've laid out the gospel, the four spiritual laws. We've walked through Romans Road. We've talked about what it means to be a Christian, how much God loves us, what it means to have that salvation. And he's still refusing. So 
okay, God, just a little bit longer. I know you have me on mission. I know you have a purpose. I know that you're calling me to something more. You're, you're leading me somewhere else, but just a little bit more. I want to wait here with this person that's refusing you. Perhaps Jesus is saying, shake the dust off your feet because he has somebody else to nurture that seed that was planted. But we allow ourselves to be in this spot waiting for someone to do uh, have a response to Jesus when God wants to use us in a different place. I found that interesting. Something to think about. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Jesus was telling him, hey, Philip, like you're done with this guy. Like you told him the truth. He is responsible now to God. I'm going to bring somebody else into his life. You need to go. And for those that like maps, here's the map. You can see, oh, I do have a laser pointer. Look at that. So here is Gaza. Here is Samaria. They were going Jerusalem to Jericho, right? I think that was. So he was going here down to Gaza. He was leaving that place where he was to go somewhere God had told him. He was leaving the place where he was to go somewhere God had told him. Leaving the place where he was to go somewhere God had told him. When was the last rhetorical? Don't elbow the person next to you. Don't uh, text somebody right now. When's the last time you left where you were to go where God told you? The last time that God said, well, I don't want you to sit in that chair anymore. I want you to lead something. I don't want you to be in that a small group. I actually want to have you facilitate something else. When's the last time you left where you were to go where God was leading you? Philip did, and so he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch with great authority under the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. What does the word worship mean? Well, Many of the cases, it's called proskuneu in the New Testament, and it means, that's the Greek, it means to be on your knees, head down, hands out, worshiping, complete vulnerability, complete vulnerability to whatever happened that you were saying, I worship. Complete vulnerability. This Ethiopian had gone to Jerusalem to offer himself in complete vulnerability for what was going to happen. And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, getting ahead of ourselves, but going back to make it applicable, how many of you have read Isaiah and you say, I understand every single word? Like Isaiah, I just love the book because it just speaks to me. And I just. If you haven't read Isaiah, it's a difficult book at times, but it is important that you read. But it's important we do what Philip did with this Ethiopian. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Can you uh, imagine God tells you to go south to Gaza and so you're walking to Gaza, and you know that you're supposed to go to Gaza. And God told you, so that's what you're doing. And then there's somebody over here, and you kind of see them. And do you stop and make time for God to say, hey, on your way to Gaza, speak and listen to this person here? Or do you just hear, well, God told me to go to Gaza. God told me to go to Gaza. Well, I want you to pause and stop and listen to who you might meet on the journey, not just get to the destination. Ah, God told me to go to Gaza. 
But there's person right here. Well, I don't know if that's you, God, because I know that you told me to Gaza. So I'm just going there. But along the way, along the journey, he says to stop. And he met this Ethiopian. The man said, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up in the carriage to sit with him. Now, this is just me reading the Bible with all five senses, applying it to how I think and how I think might be different than how you think, which is okay because we're parts of the body in different parts. But I just think maybe Philip was tired of walking to Gaza and he saw this guy in a chariot and he said, oh, well, I can go ride. So I don't care if God's going to use me, but I can rest my legs. So I'm just going to do this out of selfish ambition. But even out of selfish ambition in God's moment, God can use you to be a witness. So the Holy Spirit said to Philip, so Philip, he walked over. No, he ran over. He just knew because he was so close to God, because he knew Jesus as a friend and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he ran over. He was so quick to respond to God's voice. So last week, I don't know if you'd be embarrassed. I don't want to embarrass him, but I am going to just share a story that I heard after. I talked last week about what if God told you to pick up a hitchhiker? You need to pray and make sure it's God. But if God tells you and you prayed and you made sure it's God, then you would do that. There was someone in our congregation that came up to me after service last week. And he said, you know, it's funny. I was walking from uh, Williston to uh, Essex and I was hitchhiking and 100 cars passed me. But then somebody stopped and he said, God told me it was safe to pick you up. And I thought, hey, maybe you should be preaching because this is like the stories that we want to hear, not just in theory, but things that actually happen. And it's just amazing that God still speaks and people still have the opportunity to respond and have God use them. Philip ran over and asked, how do you understand? And he said, how can I unless someone instructs me and urge Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him? This is... To lead, to God, explain, instruct. How can you understand unless you have somebody lead you, guide you, mentor you, explain, walk with you, instruct you? Who are you learning from, walking with, and investing in? This is how we grow. How are you growing in maturity with Jesus? Is it just, hey, why well, do these things? I read my Bible. I pray. I uh, go to a Bible study. I fellowship with people. I, what does fellowship mean? Well, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. This is what it means. How are you growing in maturity as a Christian? Are you just uh, saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Or are you growing in it's best done in community as Lucinda had the youth pair up last week, go in pairs, go together, be together to encourage one another, to spur one another on. This is how we grow. Because worship The Ethiopian was going to worship. He was complete vulnerability. I want to worship. I want to find the truth. I want to know what's right. But worship without accountability only makes for a nice tweet. Worship, uh, vulnerability without accountability only makes for a nice tweet. If you're vulnerable like the Ethiopian was and Philip comes and says, hey, I can explain it to you. No, I don't want to hear about life change or doing stuff different. I just want God to love me. 
Well, God already loves you, but do you want to grow in that relationship, grow in that maturity? Do you want to understand that God has a plan for your life, not just for you, but for your family, for others, for your coworkers, for your enemies, that God might use you so it's not just vulnerability, but it's accountability that God's leading us to not simply pray for, but pray with, not just to read the Bible, but to study the Bible, not just to uh, fellowship, but to know what God has for us. I would suggest that Jesus is telling us that we can explain the Bible to others in this fashion. Are any of you suffering hardships? You could use different words that you might uh, say this isn't King James, but sometimes the Bible does get a little wordy. But you can talk to your coworkers at your family gathering. You can say this, or even over uh, Valentine's Day dinner with your spouse, you could say, Hey, do you feel like you're going through a hard time? Well, pray. And are you, you happy? You should sing praises. These are real questions we can ask. You can ask people, like, are you sick? Like, how do you feel? Like, how's your mental health? How are you struggling? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. These are conversations we must be having with one another so we aren't just vulnerable, but we're held accountable to be growing in our faith. So we aren't just stuck just saying, hey, I'm waiting for a response, but we're moving in mission and on mission with Jesus. This is not easy, and this is not to be done in a corporate setting like this. But it is to be done. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you want God to move, if you want to grow in your faith, then we need to be honest with others that we aren't just vulnerable. Hey, I struggle with that. And they say, hey, I struggle with that too. But we say, hey, you struggle, I struggle. God says we can have victory. How can we spur one another on? How can we hold each other accountable? How can we come alongside and nurture this relationship with God so we don't have to say, hey, I struggle, you struggle, hey, we just struggle. You struggle, I struggle, but for whatever reason, I believe the Bible, when Jesus says that he's going to give us victory, he's going to help us overcome. Jesus' life is our salvation. It's not only about our happiness. He's our joy and making us holy. This is what salvation is about, to make us holy, to give us a deep joy that whatever situation you are in, you can live life on mission, leading others to Jesus. This is what Philip did after he was rejected by Simon the sorcerer. This is what Philip did, his example to us. If you can't relate, then you're not human. I think we can all relate that once you get burned, once you've been rejected, once something happened, God, I was trying to do the right thing. I did my best. I offered everything you wanted me to do. I was obedient. There was no shade of selfish ambition. I just went and told Simon the exact truth that you wanted, and he still rejected you. Are you even real? Do you even care? Like, throw me a bone. Give me, like, something positive. I, I need to believe that but it did not stop Philip. It did not hinder Philip from saying, hey, I presented the truth. And Jesus, I realize you gave your creation the ability to respond in obedience or to reject you. But I'm not going to have that holding me back from going to the Ethiopian who's asking me this question about salvation.
He was reading from Isaiah. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. This is prophecy. This was written in the Old Testament. This was actually the only Bible they had in the New Testament, but this is what he had heard. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So the Ethiopian is reading this, and he's like, hey, this sounds good, this makes kind of sense, but I have no idea who it's written about. The uh, eunuch asked Philip, tell me who was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Is this Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So Philip got to say, this was prophecy of the person Jesus who was killed. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the unigalion the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So in that little uh, space of, hey, I don't understand. Hey, get into my carriage and explain it to me. The explanation from Philip to not Simon, because seemingly it didn't work in our minds, but it was exactly what God wanted Philip to do is be a witness to Simon, where we might say, it didn't work. Why work? Why keep doing it? God's saying, keep doing it. So the Ethiopian, he receives Jesus' salvation. He understands that it's not about the prophet Isaiah, but it's about Jesus himself. And he says, hey, I want to believe. And so Philip says, hey, well, you need to get baptized. And he says, hey, look, there's water. Can I get baptized now? And he didn't say, well, you have to go take a class before you can get baptized. Like go through membership and start tithing and get perfect attendance for two months. And then you can get baptized. He says, no. So he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. So I did think about this. What if somebody on this Sunday morning said, Jeff, I really want to get baptized today? Like I thought, hey, well, it makes sense to find a pool or somewhere inside, but there's this new trendy thing. Maybe it's not trendy. I think it's trendy because I think it's stupid, but that's just me. Uh, this trendy thing going on now that people dig holes in the ice and just go in. It's supposed to be good for your body, whatever. And I guess we could do that, but there's nothing stopping us from having a baptism today, whether it's outside, which is pretty ridiculous, or finding a place where people can be baptized. There's no excuse, but sometimes we put limits on what we think God can do because, well, it's really cold out, so I'm going to wait until I get baptized. Or, you know, the timing's not right, so uh, I don't want to be uh, one who invests in the church through my tithes and offerings. Or, you know, I have this uh, thing coming up, so I really can't commit to Jesus. There's nothing stopping you from this moment right now obeying God in the next step he has for you just like this Ethiopian. The next step was for him to get baptized. He did not wait. He did not say, well, in a little bit. He did not ask more questions. He just said, this is the truth of Scripture revealed to the Holy Spirit by the testimony of you, Philip. I want to obey God now. Sometimes I'm like, well, God, you know, tomorrow. That starts tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll do it. Tomorrow I'll be in a better frame of mind. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So two things. When you read the Bible, there's some weird stuff. Wait, what does that mean? Snatched him away? Like, 
Philip was there. The Ethiopian was there. They come out of the water and then he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Like if you look in the Greek, like he, he was gone. Philip was there and then, then he's gone. So if God is really God, he could do miraculous things. Well, Jeff, it doesn't make logical sense. That's why he's God. Well, Jeff, I need more scientific evidence. All I can tell you is what I've experienced is consistent with the truth of the Bible, that there are things that sometimes God does in my life, has done in my life that cannot be explained scientifically. It's just, that's how God does it. So in this, that's how God did it. And the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is, well, salvation, growth, maturity, maturing is greater than maturity, believers, baptism, Jesus telling faith, sharing. This is what he wants us to do. I did get ahead of myself. I thought I had a slide. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Can you so I have to put myself in the story, and you guys know, like, I'm, uh, I'm the needy one, and that's okay, I guess, because I'm giving it to Jesus, but I am a little needy. Like, if I led someone to the Lord, and they said the, quote, sinner's prayer, and they became a Christian, and God had me being available to baptize them, and then, and then they left, I'd kind of be like, man, like, I thought I had a bigger part in their life. I, I thought I had a relationship with them. I, I thought we'd become friends, but now they're somewhere else. And I'm like, God, like, why didn't you keep them with me? Why couldn't I still invest in their life? Why? Like, it hurts sometimes when you feel like, oh, I invested so much. There's so much uh, effort. There's so much, but God may have a different plan. And it's not about you. It's about Jesus, not about you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. But I trust it's not about you, it's about Jesus. But don't they see it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Well, don't they know that I, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. So that's where salvation happens and we desire to grow and we don't just reach maturity one time. Hey, I'm mature, but it's a continual process of maturing, becoming like Jesus. This Ethiopian, he uh, received the believer's baptism. If anybody wants to be baptized, let's talk and let's make it happen because there is something about saying to Jesus, I choose to follow you. But then there's something about saying as a follower of Jesus, I want everybody to know my local church to support me in this decision, but my rest of my family to know I am following Jesus. I want to make it public. I want to declare that this is my decision based on who Jesus is, that I will surrender to him. So I want you to know and then we begin telling Jesus' story. We share our faith in him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The Ethiopian eunuch never saw him again, but went away rejoicing. It wasn't about Philip. It is always about our life-changing Jesus. But don't they know? God knows if you've been faithful, if you've been obedient. If you're walking in the right direction. So as we close, there's a couple songs, but it just made me pause to think that Philip was identified by the congregation to have leadership skills. This is a this is my translation of what the Bible says. Like Philip was seen 
as Steven, like, hey, you're you you have gifts and talents. God's using you. Like, get involved. And Philip is like, yes, I've been chosen. This is awesome. I'm going to be used of God. And so he starts going around, and God using him. It's like, yes, look at what God's doing through me. This is the best thing ever. Yes, I can't wait to do more. And as he does more, spiritual warfare, this is how Satan attacks. It's just something that happens to Christians as you obey God. You're like, this is so awesome. I can't wait to do more for Jesus, to be used of God. Oh, I just got rejected. He hurt my feelings. This isn't fair. Like I did everything God wanted me to do. I don't know if I believe anymore. This, he could have very easily quit as other followers of Jesus have and will. But he said, hey, this is the truth, Simon. You need to pray for yourself and know what Jesus is doing. And as you think about that, know that God's grace is for you. Know that others are going to share that truth with you. But, but I have to keep going. Like, I have to keep following Jesus because he has something else for me. He has something for me. And you can join me or you can still contemplate, is this true or is this right? But I, I need to go and then who knows, you might just hear somebody reading part of the Bible that they don't understand. But somebody said, hey, read the Bible. It's going to help you. Just maybe God wants us to listen and say, hey, this is the story of Jesus. And it might not be like this Bible story. So the very next one, hey, you aren't rejected. Maybe it's the next one you're rejected and the next one you're rejected and the next one you're rejected and the next one you're fired and then the next one you're rejected and then the next one you're rejected. But you keep following Jesus because it's not about you. It's about him and knowing his goodness and his truth. So... For me, whether it's people I work with at Top Notch or work with here at Living Hope Wesleyan, we just need to know that everybody has a story of hurt, of failure, of brokenness. And that does not exclude you from the healing and freedom and salvation that Jesus offers. So we keep offering Jesus hope. So you struggle with this thought. So you wonder about this identity. So you have this addiction. Well, hey, you confessed it. That's a great start. You're vulnerable. But now become accountable so that we can grow together as the body of Christ, leading others to the salvation of Jesus. So, Jesus, we thank you that you are patient with us. We thank you that you love us. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. I can see the promised land.